a mess. None of these storylines make any sense. What? Whoa. Is this working for you? Oh, no. I... Hey, <laughs> what do you think you're doing? <laughs> the menu is not gonna I stop. mean, of course they would do this. I love this. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> so much. Go into I Am Groot. This yeah, is yeah, yeah, check out what's <laughs> madness. Check out what's ever madness. No. Yeah, Loki, go to the, go to the galaxy. I want to see your space. Panther, I love you there. Oh. <laughs> oh shoot! Wow, she's on the sound stage. This is so trippy. I like this the idea. This is so trippy. This, this episode is so she's Dora the, the Explorer. We're like, <laughs> go into this. Go into this. Do you see where the Disney line is? Right. Over there. Take a left. <laughs> what? I genuinely, they could make easily a spinoff of her choosing different shows to jump into, and I would still Right. I know, I would just watch that as the intro to every, that should be the opening fanfare. It can, it like, can. they're just kicking open stuff. Like, remember the Lilo and Stitch uh, promos, how uh, Lilo, mm -hmm. and, or just Stitch, would show up in The Lion King and Aladdin and right. Beauty and the Beast? That's what I want for She-Hulk. Kevin? It stands for knowledge. Oh, oh my God, he has a hat. Oh, yeah. He's got a little hat. Yeah. Why would I expect a giant AI brain? Do you life? think this is what um, people around the Marvel's offices say to Kevin Feige? Like, you're not a face, you're a robot. <laughs> I feel like Kevin Feige chose this. Oh. I think he chose this for himself. They had Wakanda drums there. That was fun. Mm -hmm. I love him in casual clothes. I can never get over it. I have someone here that I'd like you all to meet. This is oh. my son, Scott. <gasps> oh. What is that haircut? Fire your barber, Scott. He didn't have a dad teach him how to cut his hair yet. Wow. My dad never taught me how to wow. cut my hair. He just took me to Supercuts. Well, look here. <laughs> look here. He's from Sakaar. They don't have a damn Supercuts on Sakaar. Yo, that they hairline made a is choice. ridiculous. They just, that hairline they is all the way back. That is, uh, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> that dude has my hairline. That thing is like back Leave? to the Why future, are y'all coming? What, like, you know teens are so impressionable and so insecure, and you two are coming for him. Listen, it's not like he's Wait, a raging no, teens Hulk didn't monster. make the VFX oh, design of this character. I didn't say anything about the actor. The actor's great. I'm talking about why no, did they make him with that hair? Because he's a kid, and that's just his hair. The kid Listen, didn't walk on the set, Jess. We have no, to consider I'm saying that the guy behind the VFX. I'm saying the character is a teen. Scar is a teen. <laughs> Listen, we also have to consider that uh, uh, Sakar's uh, only barber is an old man with that looks like Stan Lee. So uh, we That's can't right. always get it right, okay? That's right, MT, you're right, you're right. I think I'm also right in a child maybe cutting their leg. Okay, okay so and Jess, you also get a rogi. You both get rogies. You, you, you're right. Y'all were coming um, for him so bad. Leave him goodness. alone. That oh my god! And clearly, you see where his hairline is. It just is back. It's cut back here. <laughs> right. I know. I know. I yeah. I hope you didn't tip that barber. It just though. reminds me of a tip. couple TikToks where they're like, "What did you do? What did you do?" And he's like shaving his eyebrows off. <laughs> Welcome back to New Rockstars. The She-Hulk finale. She-Hulk smashed down the walls of reality in the MCU, revealing the whole MCU is the work of an AI robot hidden on Disney's Burbank lot named Kevin. We thought Tatiana Maslany was Emmy worthy for her character work in Orphan Black, but give this robot an Emmy for his Kevin Feige impression. Holy She-Hulk! 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 
This is Inside Marvel, New Rockstar's She-Hulk after show. I'm Eric Voss. With me is Jessica Clemens, NMT. Welcome, friends. We made it. Uh, we did make it. I'm so tired that I'm... That, I just want to clarify this because someone's going to be like, she's drinking pee. I'm drinking a Red Bull. <laughs> I'm drinking a Red Bull. And then someone is going to be me. Why are you drinking, <laughs> drinking pee, Jessica? Stop! I said it was Pee's Red Bull. I said I'm going to clarify this. I'm drinking a Red Bull. <laughs> and then I also have a Gatorade because I keep my fluids. Got to keep my fluids. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're and drinking the To pee. clarify, this is not an iced coffee. This is this is That is pee. <laughs> oh, that is poopy. Sorry. <laughs> yes. It's poopy. Like I, at Austin I only Powers. Drink pee. Um, a bit nutty. <laughs> We uh, are starting off strong Wait, here, It's my early. Friends. We finally made it's it to early. the end. <laughs> we did. And uh, what? I mean, look, there's a lot of mixed opinions about this finale. I think mm. the overall consensus is positive because what a big swing. What a, what a fascinating way, in my opinion, to totally stick the landing on this show. I think all the only thing I wanted more from this finale is to just introduce some of these meta elements sooner. Like, yes, yeah, she broke the wall, uh, fourth wall throughout the show. The fact that she could, like, in the first episode, skip ahead to the flashback that was going to be later in the series and then jump back and kind of call the shots from within the scene is one thing. But like, remember in WandaVision, how like in episode three, like literally things got rewound on camera or there was like a glitch. I would have loved more glitches throughout the show just to kind of set up that this was all being presented yeah, from the fun. mind of a robot. I think would have been, would have set it up. But I mean, oh, we ended up with this fun. twist that I just totally blew me away, left a lot of unanswered questions. But to me, I don't, I can let go of those things. I, I was just really happy with this. I liked it. <coughs> <laughs> time i liked it but i think i had a little quarrels with it but i think a lot of my quarrel was like i i was one of the people that from the jump was like i don't think we're gonna see a son i don't think we're gonna see a son because that would take away a lot of storyline from she hulk and they've made it very apparent that this is a she hulk show and i think even when they broke the fourth wall with kevin she was still leaning like oh we'll just get into it in the movie and kevin still placed it in their last minute and was like here's the sun and i was like not in a mean way, but I was like, okay, I want to know more about this than I do about any of the rest of this episode, if that makes sense. Because I was like, it did take a lot of my attention bringing him back with his son. I was like, this is a big deal. What do you mean we're going to get into it later? How are we going to even like, oh, are we going to open on the barbecue in his movie in six years? Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, I think Jesse was saying before we started rolling that that might have been a better post credit scene uh, than what we got. Mm -hmm. And I agree. I would have liked if this were detached from the rest mm -hmm. of the episode. I would have. It definitely would have been like a fun post credit scene for me. I agree. I was just going to say, like, I, I also am a little bit mixed on this ending. Like, I really enjoyed the fourth wall break. I, I am a huge sucker for a, a fourth wall break. But I just feel like, you know, the entire series, like all the, you know, like the whole blood storyline i'm like i kind of wanted more from that and like you know i just i think that like i like how things were just jokingly sort of just like wrapped up I'm like yeah you know what is it me it's my show i'm just ending this the way i want to think i think that's fun but like i kind of wish those pay off to like you know the titania stuff like why did she attack the courtroom um in the first episode we never got um an explanation for that well um, okay <laughs> I've been getting called out about it. So I guess it was addressed, oh. but I still do not believe this. And I don't think we should as a unit. We shouldn't believe it. <laughs> we shouldn't believe it. So, yeah, they said the low blood sugar, but it said she was on her way. It was like a shortcut to traffic court that she busted through there. And I'm still like, that's not a good justification. That's not a good right. justification. Yeah, I don't think we were meant it. to take that seriously for face value. I think that was just her cover story. Yeah, I don't think 
That's that was what her I statement. Said. That's what I said. Yeah. I keep getting called out. People are like, they didn't say it. And I'm like, I don't believe it though. Well, I think uh, it's it's hard. Uh, it, well, first off, you'll you'll never win an argument with people on social media. What but, do you like, mean? I think a lot That's of always winnable. I think a lot of us. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to be able to like go all the way, all uh, all twelve rounds, mm -hmm. and then and then you'll win. Um, no, I think a lot of people will watch these shows, and maybe this is our fault as well because we watch these shows this way, looking for specific evidence yeah. to to fix it and to plug the plot hole. But if it's not like overt and clearly like. Uh, tonally, uh, uh, emotionally um, honest with the way the character like is being presented and and verified by external sources within the context of the plot and the story, then like if yeah, if it's not obvious to you as you're watching the story, mm -hmm. then yeah, I don't know if like we can say that that was clearly explained mm -hmm. and justified. Like I think she was set up to be a mystery character that we would find out more about later, and we never did. <laughs> we so yeah, that's that's a little bit of a bummer for me, but like you know, overall, like I really dug how Jen took control of her reality, and like I sort of it sort of makes me feel like you know Jennifer Walters is the strongest being in the MCU like universe because mm -hmm. it's just like she altered reality some ways. to such a huge degree that it's just like man, like Wanda Maximoff, who at this point, like holy shit. Well, like, yeah, to Jess's point, if Scar does end up showing up anyway in that final scene, how strong is she? Because it does sound like it is the Kevin Robot show, if still, he can just plug Scar back and in. And it kind of, not like denounced, but like art, it, uh, like conflicts with the whole, like her entire spiel of being like, this is my show, my stakes, what happened to me? I need to like, I think we don't need to do this gaudy stuff. We don't need to do these reveals when it's about me and what happened to me. And I overcome those. And I was like, yeah, I agree with that. I was like, I completely agree with that. And then it's still thrown in there. And I'm like, <laughs> so it's not. I don't know. Maybe I was just like, <laughs> I took Scar really far. I love it. I love the idea of Hulk having a son. And I really did want to get into Son of Scar. But I just wanted it like post credit or not at all. Because I don't want it to take away. Like, we're going to be talking about this more than we're going to be talking about her overcoming her con her own inner struggles yeah i think you're right um i i think we are all on board with scar existing oh darla has opinions um, i get it i feel this it is my dog you'll see you'll see a shadow <laughs> of a dog back here um no i think uh you're totally right um and i think in terms of like revealing new characters in the mcu just kind of quietly standing perfectly behind your dad, Bruce, in the backyard of an L.A. home is not the most exciting way to introduce a character. He doesn't even get to say anything. He's just like, mm, He's like my face is actually <laughs> VFXed on this here. shitty haircut. So, also, I talked about this in the first breakdown, or second breakdown, I think. When we introduced our family, we learned that that woman is Rebecca, uh, Rebecca Banner, who could potentially be Bruce's mom. And I don't think they named the aunt Rebecca and not on purpose to be like, this could be Bruce's mom from the comics. They, there's a million names they could have chosen from. So I'm like, Rebecca did not react at all to that being her grandson, if that is her grandson. So I was, I just, uh, it's okay. It's okay. I don't mean to go off about it. Yeah, we're, um, look, this this whole show was kind of a, a fiddler on the roof, some might say. It was walking uh, Razor's Edge in terms of its balance with the meta elements in the in-universe storytelling. And it's a very, very tricky thing to do. You have to really... Uh, know your audience extremely well to be able to know when to be sincere and which uh, actual plot points you want the audience to care about and to worry about and to feel anxiety yeah. for and to want payoff for uh, and which things they can like let go of. 
And I think um, there just might have been, like, having uh, the ending of one episode showing us a big scary needle, I think, was just maybe a step too far. If just the blood plot was something in the background that was rarely addressed and then just kind of introduced, like, a random thing in that episode, I think we all would have been like, yeah, what? But they they clearly developed, yeah. like, wanted us to be invested in that uh, blood theft storyline. So you have to you have to be careful. But I think, like... I don't know. With, your mileage may vary. I think introducing the Kevin robot with the hat, so like good. everything Loved that it. robot said yeah. was like a few steps ahead of the audience. And I was very, very impressed with how well, in my opinion, Marvel Studios seemed to understand the criticisms toward phase four with this robot and was able to use it to address a lot of it. I thought that was just delightful. I think um, it's great, but, but that's just me. Still through and scar. <laughs> that's the thing. I was like, he listened still to her. He's, he listened to her and then was like, well, I'm still going to add this bit because I know the show and it's my show. And I was like, okay, I get that. You're Kevin Feige. Or, sorry, Ke- Kevin. Kevin? Kevin. <laughs> maybe Kevin Feige. Um, we're going to talk about exactly what this robot is. Uh, and for those of you who are saying, wait, you're saying things that are not like 100% positive. This is our job. We are just reacting to this stuff mm-hmm. the morning after. And our feelings are always a bit mixed. This is what Inside Marvel is for. It's for the three of us to be able to like just kind of uh, pick each other's brains and, and react honestly to this stuff. Most of the time we're positive about this stuff because we do genuinely feel positive about this stuff. We know how hard it is to make this stuff. But generally, if you watch the finale after show on Inside Marvel, go back and watch the one after Hawkeye, the one after Ms. Marvel, the one after Loki, the one after Falcon Winter Soldier, and the one after WandaVision. And yeah, you'll see a lot of mixed feelings from, from us on those shows. Uh, but it doesn't mean, uh, like, obviously all three of us genuinely... Uh, like support everything that's happening here. And we care enough about it to go into the details and try to figure out what worked and what didn't. Uh, and just go with us on this journey. Don't come after us on Twitter saying, why were you hating on it? Uh, yes. I, yeah. there, there are other accounts on, on YouTube that do just genuinely. They go hard. They go hard. I go yeah. in on She-Hulk because I love She-Hulk. It is out of yes. a, a matter of I read every damn comic and I'm going to go off about it. <laughs> All right, let's uh, recap what happened. So the finale opens with a shot for shot parody of the intro um, for the 1978 Bill Bixby Incredible Hulk TV it. series. Finally confirming what those hazy shots of Jen and Bruce in the 70s attire mm-hmm. from that very, very first mm-hmm. teaser were all about. I love this. I'm so glad. So glad that we came back to that. And no. by the way, that November 2021 teaser also showed Jen landing on that Burbank soundstage. Mm-hmm. So this meta ending was in the works from the beginning. Yes. I love I that. It. I go into it, but they, and they edited, the, you know, they edit out those little, the lights from the soundstage for the trailer. Mm-hmm. So you would not know it was like, oh, they're clearly on a lot. But I love right, it. Right, right. It just kind of looked like a warehouse, mm-hmm. like kind of a vacant warehouse. Mm-hmm. So this was fun. I, I love that. I love this, the uh, intro we were able to come back so to that. much. And, uh, and it also reminded us, I believe in the 2008 Ed Norton Hulk, they did bring in like the shot of him in the chair with a laser beam on his, on his head. Like right. already this stuff was kind of MCU canon. So for it to come full circle like that was really mm-hmm. fun. But the 70s intro is all a dream from Jen as she wakes up in a DODC prison cell. Yikes. So Jen has to wear an inhibitor ankle bracelet. She loses her job, her home, has to move back in with her parents. She and Nikki plan to hunt down the intelligentsia internet trolls. And I just, you know, I love a good yarn board. Oh, my God. We had, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mr. Chicken? No, Chicken Man. <laughs> there are, like, these cards. Oh, Jess, yeah, I can't cards. wait to see what yeah. you break down from this. And, and and by the way, to everyone watching, Jess is going to be, her breakdown is coming out tomorrow on the channel. Jess, you've been doing an amazing Kicking job breaking butt. down all these episodes. Yes. With these breakdowns. So detailed, so funny, so entertaining. I love everything that you have done on this season. Um, so everyone watch that tomorrow. It's going to be a blast. 
Um, but um, so while they're hanging out at home, uh, they find this old college dancing video of Jen. And uh, Nikki is able to use this, posting on the Intelligentsia website, and uh, immediately gets a response from Holt King inviting her to this hangout. The meeting ends up being a bunch of, like, men's rights activist types uh, <laughs> that Pug has to infiltrate with Nikki feeding them sexist stuff to stay behind it to, uh, to blend in. And I loved this so much. Right. Uh, because, like... At, He's like, won't people notice me with one of these? And she's like, everyone has. <laughs> You're right. I, I'll hang out with these in my ears sometimes with people whispering sexist stuff for me to say. And the worst things I say is just because someone's feeding it into my head. Mm. That's no man actually believes these things. There's just some toxic robot who's like whispering into our ears these things to say. Right? I think. Um, anyway, this whole, uh, I, I just love anytime Pug and uh, and right. team up. What a pairing. Iconic duo. It's wonderful. So Abomination is their guest speaker. Jen wanders in. Uh, apparently, this is all going down at his farm. Uh, and Blonsky claims that he's just hosting this for the money. And so I was a little worried. I'm like, Blonsky, we just learned you're a good guy. But, you know, it seems like he's just kind of, I mean, Blonsky, you can't you can't claim innocence here. You're hosting mm -hmm. them mm -hmm. on, in your barn. You got to look into their politics mm -hmm. I if agree. you're going to host right. people. Completely. Uh, like that. Completely. I it's was like, like their oh, money's I didn't not know worth these it. Proud Boys or Proud Boys. Uh, it's like, but <laughs> I did host them at my private culty ranch. Anyway, um, so uh, Todd confirms that he used Josh to steal her blood to develop a serum. He injects himself with it to Hulk out. It's real wacky. He's talking about there's oh god it, it that's his tongue work in this like, episode i don't know like uh the 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 old school <laughs> the the, the scooby-doo movies from the 2000s oh yeah um, like that when the, shaggy do uh yes, holds when out, shaggy goes, do holds out. <laughs> one arm grows um, too big exactly. yeah like, you know james gunn was watching this being like that's that's my thing <laughs> <laughs> i did it um wait did james gunn do the second one no, I, I think it was both of them. One. I think it was both of them. I thought. Am you, I you, okay? You might have been, he was at least a producer on the second one. Um, but um, so Titania smashes in. I love Nikki's line. Does this person ever use a door? She said, "Does this bitch ever right. use a door?" <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, Bruce Hulk drops from the ceiling. Uh, yeah, it doesn't make sense. And Jen turns to camera and calls out how none of this is really lining up. The episode takes a crazy turn. Jen punches out of the Disney Plus Marvel Studios home screen, swings from the Loki thumbnail into uh, Mar the Marvel Assemble documentary, which is a very smart choice because she knows that will take her behind the scenes to the Disney lot instead of, you know, some uh, weird TBA location or Talo or some other place that's not going to help her. Um, so she she passes a crew member. I don't know if you guys saw this. The crew member's doing an interview about making the Infinity Gauntlet yes. for the first Thor movie, yes. Yes. which I thought was really fun. Um, we follow her walking across the actual Disney Burbank lot. This reminded me of uh, that Treehouse of Horror Homer uh, thing where he's like 3D Homer walking in live action world and everyone's just kind of like staring oh, at him and it's quiet. that episode used to scare <laughs> the crap out of me as a kid, yeah. Oh, it's really unsettling. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this is the actual Disney Burbank lot. It's less than a five minute drive from New Rockstar's Burbank office. We drove, we drive by it every day. I mean, I don't live in LA anymore, but Jess, you drive by it every day on your way I to do. work. In fact, we we were probably driving by on Olive when they were shooting this scene. If you think about it, whenever yeah. they're shooting it, it was probably a weekday and we were probably driving by on our way in to that office. Anyway, I just, I love that. I love us being able to claim that we're part of the MCU in some way. And technically everyone in the world is now that she jumped into our part of the universe. Um, but she walks into the She-Hulk writer's room. Uh, She-Hulk writer's like Jessica Gao cameo in the room. Um, 
they uh, all the writers blamed this contrived ending on Kevin. And Jen marches over to the main Marvel Studios offices. She scrolls through the digital NDA that all visitors have to sign on the way in. This is a real thing. They have a tablet mm -hmm. that you have to... I mean, this is what we've been told. None of us have actually been there, but like this is famously what they... They make everyone do. Wow. She fights through security, which is really fun. Uh, and she breaks into the vault. Um, and there, there actually is like a closed off room, uh, which is which is kind of like a military type. Like you cannot bring in your phone into this mm. room. It is a vault. And that is where like they have dry erase boards and all their plans, like pinned up comic issue pictures, concept art for everything they have planned. Uh, so it is like a fascinating thing that it's kind of the new Disney vault among like uh, uh, Disney conspiracy theorists. Uh, because they're like, what is in this room? Who's been in this room? What have you seen when you were in there? And here, Jen meets Kevin, mm. standing for Knowledge Enhanced Visual Interconnectivity Nexus, who's an AI robot based on Marvel head Kevin Feige. Hey. He uses an algorithm to come up with all MCU storylines. Jen convinces Kevin to change her show's ending so that there's no Hulk Todd, uh, no Bruce returning in the final fight, no Abomination, and add Daredevil. Jen asks about the X-Men. Kevin gives her no answers there. Uh, she also brings up uh, the possibility of a Hulk movie. He shoots it down because, you know, he was going to use Hulk to introduce someone. He does anyway. Uh, and Jen says that she's a Hulk and Hulk smash things. And she smashes bad endings and sometimes Matt Murdock, which hey. I love that joke. That was fun. Jen returns to the farm and has Todd arrested. She meets up with Daredevil. He literally just fortnights from the sky. Uh, there were some was some trees, but was Daredevil just suited up in a tree up in northern? He was northern in Hawaii? Disney heaven, Disney heaven, and just got he shot was in up. Disney heaven. Also, does he just not know? Okay, I love it. We'll get into it. <laughs> so, so, does he just not know? <laughs> I guess she knows that he got dropped, but he's like, oh, I'm just not in New York. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, poor Foggy Nelson was in the middle of a pastrami sandwich and just lost the guy who was going to split the bill with him. So now he's screwed. He's like, gotcha. Foggy's just holding it down at Nelson and Murdoch by himself. It's like, where's my partner? Uh, Your Honor, my co-counsel will be back uh, from the sky any moment. Now. Um, so Blonsky gets returned to custody. Seems a little too okay with it. And the episode ends with this Fast and Furious style of family barbecue. Uh, Dom Toretto's work at the grill, probably. Uh, everyone meets Matt, grills him about his lawyer job in Hell's Kitchen. Uh, Bruce returns and introduces everyone to his son, Scar, who is a VFX version of actor Will Dusner. Very exciting for him. I can't wait to see what happens next with Scar, whether he's yes. probably, probably going to be in some Hulk movie, maybe join up with the Young Avengers. That'd be really fun. This is really big for this actor. Uh, it's just, you know, the, the way this character was introduced was just a little silly. But I love that he's in the MCU now, and I think it's really fun. I also just love a scene where, like, Daredevil meets Hulk, technically, even though they right. don't really get a moment. But, mm -hmm. like, we're in a scene now where Daredevil and Hulk are talking to each other. Yeah, they're I love in the that. same area. Yeah, in the same area, same general vicinity. Um, Jen heads back into court, striking a pose matching the closing courtroom art that we've seen in every closing title sequence. That was fun. She decides she's going to help both people who the law fails then through the law. And then we get this post-credit scene showing Wong opening a sling ring portal to bail out Blonsky again. And Blonsky says Wong got sucked into another show, referring to his binge habits. Or could Wong be appearing in a new Disney Plus series? We'll see. There's so much to talk about in this episode. And uh, we're going to start... We need to talk about Kevin, I think is the... Yes. We need to talk oh about God. Kevin. Why didn't I say that earlier in the episode? You, you should, you could Why did I say that? Damn it. <laughs> well, you said it now. You said it now. Oh. At least you said it. I came up with... I improvised it now. Why didn't I think of this at 2 a.m. last night? God, I'm such a failure. Home, I'm stupid. I'm home alone? Stupid. You didn't think about home alone? I think you're fine. I think you're fine. You're fine. <gasps> Jess! We got to start over where we all screamed Kevin. 
<laughs> no time, no time. Um, now my dog thinks I'm mad at her. She's like, why are you yelling, Papa? She's like, I'm already fault, afraid of you. <laughs> All right, MT, you want to hit, hit us with that merch plug? And guys, be sure to head on over to NewRockStarsMerch.com today to grab our latest Obsession shirt, Lady Justice, inspired by the She-Hulk Attorney at Law series. The shirt is limited edition. Support the channel and check out all of our awesome merch options over at NewRockStarsMerch.com today. Thank you. And Jess, you want to hit us with that question? And you can um, uh, deliver Kevin however you like. <laughs> with Kevin! <laughs> did she? <laughs> did the She-Hulk finale break the MCU? I think it did, but... Is the MCU broken re beyond repair? Maybe. Mm. Let's go through everything we now can um, infer from Kevin's existence. Because with the introduction of Kevin, this AI robot using the algorithm to craft all these storylines of the MCU, in my opinion, it's a stroke of a little madcap genius that may go too far, but for now seems to be super fun. And for me, at least, it fixes not only some of the issues I've had with the series, but also some of the MCU as of late, despite breaking some other elements within the show. Now, as we know, She-Hulk is a character who breaks the fourth wall, so having her break through the fourth wall of the Disney Plus platform into Disney's Burbank studio lot to yell at her writer's room and confront Kevin is very on brand for the character. Um, as I said, it would have been interesting to see little teases of this particular step of the fourth wall breaking earlier in the show, but I'm glad we went there. And I'm actually really, really grateful that Kevin Feige himself did not show up in the vault the way Lauren Michaels sometimes will on SNL sketches. Because, you know, Feige is absolutely a charmer. He's a very entertaining guy in interviews and at, uh, in announcements. But I think he smartly sidelined himself here because I just, I think a cameo from him might have been a little too indulgent and uh, cringy done in this way. I think a lot of people would have, uh, that would have taken us out of it too much. So instead, I like that they did this solid parody of himself as this faceless AI robot who reads comic books and feeds an algorithm, which is a dig at how all streamers these days are using algorithmic data to guide programming decisions. Uh, watch the most recent season of Barry on HBO for more on this, like coming to the MCU. Oh, Deb Patel, definitely Deb Patel, Deb Patel, Deb Patel. Like this is all a scary <laughs> thing that like a lot of programming decisions are just like being driven by data. Also, it's it's kind of like a, a little bit of a um, I wouldn't say a nod, but like you know, you know, how like Space Jam did the whole algae rhythm with yeah. Don Cheadle. Yes, it's like yes, Disney has a one, and it's friggin' Kevin the robot. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, Westworld had this with Rehoboam. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. Like all the creators are now like biting the hand in that regard. It's mm. freaky. I like that it's a robot just because it's. I know that uh, in an interview, Jessica Gao said that they had to remove a lot of the jokes making in front of Marvel because it was too heavy handed. And so I like the idea yeah. of them like the writers just having what other than making Kevin Feige a god, it's like, what else could we make him that's next to that? And I guess it's a very sentient robot because it's just like they were they when the writer was like, I would kill you if you come like at Kevin. And it's like, okay, well, you guys have a really bad attachment to this person. I'm like, yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, we all do. We all very much have a horrible we attachment very much to Kevin do. Feige. And by making him this kind of like pathetic robot with his tiny little arms who's moving around, it kind of lowers his status a little bit. He's he's stuck in that room. He's literally like chained to the wall through this through this arm. So it doesn't make him like a god so much as like a prisoner, which I just, I, there's so many choices with this robot that I really just appreciated. I think made it, 
work really well. Um, now, for years, though, many of us have been theorizing that the MCU would introduce Kevin Feige as the meta-cosmic entity, the one above all. And Feige, you know, with his interviews, his announcements, his general persona, they really have been an inextricable part of the MCU, the way, like, Walt Disney was an inextricable persona to Disney animation in the 60s. You know, he's such an on-camera presence who's just kind of, like, in the background of all this stuff. It just makes sense that... Um, Kevin would be established somehow in universe. And I think this is a, a smartly subversive satirical approach because Feige proves that he doesn't take himself too seriously. He hears the criticisms. Uh, he There was that line of like, oh, oh, we it's too expensive to show your VFX. So can you revert and just do it off, off camera? Screen. I was off like, uh, okay, so you are aware of it. Great, great. I'm glad. I'm glad that they did that. Uh, brings up the X-Men delays, the fact that they force in these cameos just to set up later movies. They're mm -hmm. all aware of it. And uh, I want to talk briefly about the design of the Kevin robot, uh, mm -hmm. because I think it's smart that he's not a super advanced glowing technology from like alien advanced races. No, he's just kind of a beat up faceless robot yeah. who wears red and white like he's cosplaying in the Avengers time travel suits in Endgame. Uh, he's got this brim that looks like Kevin Feige's signature ball cap. He's got these old school like lenses, these red, blue, and green lights that emit from these knobs. Of course, red, blue, green being the base colors of digital pixels on screen. He looks like he has a USB import drive, but not a USB-C, just like an old school USB uh, drive. And I, it looks like a few disk drives as well, like a, <laughs> like maybe a DVD or a Blu-ray drive at the top. You don't really see that on computers anymore. So he's kind of like dated in, in like the early 2000s in some ways. And the whole apparatus is just this bulky orb that's suspended from the ceiling, or dare we say, chained from the ceiling. And he uses, I don't know if you guys saw this, two film reels are spinning on the back of him. To me, he comes off like a nerdy cinema projectionist, like the movie nerd who is like, oh, I have the keys to the kingdom. Let me decide all these things. And the closing credits art shows him reading a She-Hulk comic book. So in my opinion, this is not a soulless evil AI the way Zola's algorithm is. It's like this guy's pretty funny, self-deprecating, and his algorithm is informed by a true love of comics. He listens to feedback uh, for a brief period, though he does just subvert it when Jen leaves the room. Um, at the end of the day, I think this is just a bit of delightful bit of machinery uh, to be the mind behind the MCU. I'd rather have this robot in the real world making creative decisions than most of the studio heads in Hollywood. I'll say that. <laughs> but we should unpack the implications of it. Did the MCU just establish that all MCU titles from the first Iron Man were actually made by this AI robot? Not necessarily. For one, in this universe, there is still a She-Hulk writer's room who still had some authority to make these choices. According to MCU canon, all MCU titles are still made by a team of creatives banging their heads together around a table. But like all studio productions, there's always some studio machinery behind those creatives. Secondly, this robot didn't necessarily always exist. It's on the Disney lot, so it could just be a piece of Disney proprietary technology that wasn't there at the beginning of the MCU in 2008. That's when Marvel Studios was an independent studio that didn't partner with Disney. They partnered with Paramount and Universal. Universal being like how they partnered to make the Incredible Hulk film, and now they're able to like get around that. It was um, maybe this robot was rolled out when Disney bought out Marvel ahead of Age of Ultron. And Age of Ultron was a story about the dangers of an AI robot, which would be a pretty appropriate first story designed by someone like Kevin. Truly, I think Kevin may be a new piece of technology introduced after Avengers Endgame to help Marvel Studios keep track of all their Disney Plus shows and Phase 4 titles, which have been, as Kevin admits, a mixed bag. So this way, we can blame Phase 4's unevenness on Kevin while not giving him credit for the full Infinity Saga. I think this is a pretty smart bit of commentary on like how thin Kevin Feige has been stretched because it's specifically the past couple years on Disney Plus and so many minutes of content 
that they've had to balance and keep all interconnected. But here's what I think we should focus on. Someone had to build this robot in universe. This robot didn't build itself. Someone built it. Someone built Ultron. Someone built this robot. He who remains was a man behind the curtain who initially hid behind timekeeper robots. So there could still be an in-universe one above all who engineered this technology and perhaps this meta pocket reality that Jen stumbled into. So as I open the floor for discussion, I pose to you, both of you, the theory. Since we know the TVA has film projectors that show MCU history with the same cinematography, the same storyboarding, the same editing as the directors who shot those movies in real life, the 2012 Avengers, the Ragnarok, Avengers Infinity War, that footage is shown in-universe in the TVA. Could Kevin, the robot, with film reels on his back and his ability to instantly prune history like Todd's Hulk blood storyline, could he be another one of the robots invented by our hunky smoke show, Kang the Conqueror? Interesting. I think that this robot is above Kang. I think that this robot is like, it's too, it knows too much, it has too much control over the MCU because like this, this robot is literally writing all of, mcu reality like even kang story even kang story is being written by this robot so i don't know if um at this level that it it can be kang because um it's just like this is like it's supposed to be like our reality like sort of like our universe but like i obviously not really um but like yeah i don't think it can be kang writing his own story but it would be really fun it'd be really i like that idea a lot uh, but I don't know. It's a really fun idea. I think it's a fun idea, but it's like who what came first, the chicken or the egg? And so right. it's like even if Kang made this bot that creates all of the Marvel properties, it's like someone created him that created the Marvel bot. And so that's why I'm like, I think it is easier to track for them and for us probably the fact that like Jessica Gao created this robot. And, she, and I'm not saying like she's all above us like Kevin Feige is, but it's like she created the bot because at the end of the day, the writers in that room could just do like an uproar or strike and just tear that robot apart. Uh, If it's stuck to a wall and if they could get into it as easy as She-Hulk did, it's like, okay, it seems like we could still take apart this robot. If somehow Disney got rid of Marvel Studios for some reason, that robot would also go away. So it's like, I feel like Kang could stop that if if he did create it. So that's why I'm like, I think it's just a stupid robot. (laughs) Stupid little man with a hat, with a little hat and an old camera lens that I mean, I love the look (laughs) of him, but I'm also like, "Ah, you guys did not upgrade this robot. And it is 2022. This robot has literally the 1930s like photo, like black and white, the freaking what is it called? Uh, Acid tintype, tintype lenses. So it's like (laughs) this thing is just old TV. Um, but I mean, I love that he's smart. I love that he's always absorbing every comic that's ever been made. Yeah, I mean, look, Jessica Gao is now MCU canon. She exists. She was in that writer's room. So, and she uh, had no control over this robot in-universe. That's what I'm saying, in-universe. There could be another layer of meta-justification for how this robot exists. And there they must could. be. There must be, by definition, a robot could not always exist. Someone must have built it. So was it just Disney executives who programmed it to be able to track stories and be able to churn out new things like the manatees in in South Park? Is that what? I mean, that's probably what it is, right? It it was uh, Boston Dynamics making a new robot. Um, Ew. Ew. (laughs) 
ew, Boston. Um, I think it. I think in disrespect. in in canon, <laughs> no, Kevin Feige is from Boston because okay? you're from Kevin Boston. Kevin Feige is from your, Boston. Your disrespect. Take you and your Duncan <laughs> and get out of here. Um, sorry for those from Boston. Uh, but yeah, it's it's so funny too because Jessica Gao did an interview about the robot where she was like, "I came up with thirty endings, and this is the one that Kevin Feige chose." So it's like wow. it, it's like, what are you gonna? What are you going to do with this robot? I, I feel like you can touch on it again in the future, but... Well, that's what I'm saying. If it's the one Kevin Feige chose, he's like, well, I already have my big bad who loves <laughs> to build robots to do his bidding in a in a godly timeline erasing and creating world. Like, think, did, were you guys not reminded by the robot that stripped down Loki naked at the beginning with the weird little face and the weird arms? Like, mm. I feel like this guy likes to build his little gizmos. I think there's a very easy tether to draw there. Uh, I don't know if it ever will. I just like the theory. This robot reminds me of Wally, <laughs> and it literally is the same introduction as the droid in Wally that disobeys every command. That it's watching everybody on a screen, and then it's like, mm, no, <laughs> no. So I also was like, is Kevin Feige trying to? But like show himself as an evil person. Um, and there's no good. I don't think he's evil though. Well, that's the thing. There's no, okay, first off, I don't think he's evil either, but there has never been, show me a scene in a TV show where the robot that ascends from the roof is a good character and does only good things. <laughs> Cause I'm like robot house. It was bad. And uh, uh, even smart house, smart, uh, smart house. I said robot, that? robot house, smart house, you know, what about uh, Rosie How and the Jetsons? Did Rosie live in the attic or did she ascend from the floor? I think she came from, the floor. from the floor. They're good <laughs> from the attic from oh. up above. It's problematic. I don't know if you guys ever played the portal series of games, but um, that worked mm -mm. out just fine. Um, oh, okay. Good to know. Robot. Good to know. Totally, totally above above board. They're good people. Robots. Uh, just kidding. No, it was terrible, <laughs> terrible experience. I mean, I, maybe it's just me. I'm um I'm squirreled away alone in this uh, blue room, and I felt sympathy for this devil who is chained away in his room with his comic books, just trying to make the best storylines using his robot brain. Uh, I I get it. I get where he's coming from, and he can't really please everyone. I I can't help but root for this this weird little um, piece robot, of technology. And he's fine. He makes I'm allowed money. to love him. He makes more money than all of us, and he's a robot. He doesn't have to eat. It's he doesn't true. have children. <laughs> I see. I see money is you're... made up. Capital's a myth, and it doesn't exist. It's just opiate of the masses to turn I us against each other, that... so we don't have a revolution against the powerful. Oh, if only Disney believed this. If only Disney believed it. <laughs> but I get where you're coming from as a human that has the same kind of situations that happen. But don't feel bad for this robot. This robot is fine. <laughs> I love that robot. I love his little hat. I, I love oh the hat God. the most. The hat makes it. Are, they better make a Kevin hat like that. They better make the Kevin hat. I, like oh, yeah. Once it showed, I was like, oh, why isn't Kevin Feige wearing that right now? I was like, where is he at? I cannot wait to see the cosplays of uh, of Kevin the, the robot. It's right. going to look fun. so great. Yeah, what will he, it will be someone on a fishing pole wearing like a, a green screen suit or something like that, carrying this thing around. I want, I want to build one in my room. Like... I'm gonna like turn my whole identity into Kevin. No, I, you know, <laughs> people are gonna come out of this week being like, again, Voss worships at the altar of Kevin Feige. Maybe I do. Yeah. I mean, we all love Kevin Feige. We all like we owe so much to Kevin Feige because he has ushered in an era of good superhero movies. Like before the MCU, we were getting shit, man. So like, this is 
All, all hail the Kevin Robot, in my opinion. <laughs> all hail the Kevin Robot. We have some more questions we need to get through from this episode. First, let's thank the people who sponsored us. The second season of the hit show DC's Batman The Audio Adventures is now out on HBO Max. Gotham City, a seething cauldron of crime and corruption, about to boil over in the long shadow of Two-Face and the Penguin's combined criminal might. Gotham City is gripped in twin fists of passion and terror as Harleen Quinzel bulldozes a path to her heart's desire and Scarecrow floods the city with new and improved nightmares. Tune in for A Tale of Life and Death in Gotham City, starring Jeffrey Wright, Rosario Dawson, Bradley Whitford, Jillian Jacobs, Keenan Thompson, and Chris Parnell. Friend of the channel, Bobby Moynihan, plays the Penguin. Bobby, I don't know if you're watching, but we love you, and we'd love to host you in anything you want to appear on camera, because you're amazing, and we know how much you love toys. We'll just do a whole episode about toys if you want. And Bobby said in an interview with TV Insider that it's the role he is most proud of in his career. Can you believe that? I can't wait to listen. Stream DC's Batman The Audio Adventures Season 2 now on HBO Max. We also want to thank Helix Sleep for sponsoring this episode. Sleep is important, and here at New Rockstars, we trust Helix to protect our sleep with the best mattresses in the world. I have a Helix mattress, as does MT, and recently, producer Zach and producer John also got a Helix mattress. Helix Sleep has a quiz that just takes two minutes to complete and matches your body type and your sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Everybody's unique, and Helix knows that, so they have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. Mattress is great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Mattress is great for spinal alignment to prevent morning aches and pains. Even a Helix Plus mattress for plus-size sleepers. Producer John took the Helix Quiz was matched with the Helix Dusk mattress because he's a back sleeper that needed a memory foam mattress to provide the perfect amount of support to keep him sleeping through the night. Just go to helixsleep.com slash insidemarvel, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they will match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash insidemarvel. And thank you to Roan for sponsoring this episode. Much like Jennifer Walters, we all want to have clothes that we look good in and feel confident wearing, even if we don't need to hulk out. The dress shirt was due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped in to the challenge. Roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible shirt known to man. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from your work time to your free time. With Roan's wrinkle-free release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the t-shirt. That's It's just so easy. Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. Producer Zach loves his commuter shirt because he can go from work straight to dinner with the in-laws feeling fresh and looking his best. The commuter shirt can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash marvel and use the promo code marvel to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash marvel and use the code marvel. It's time to find your quarter office comfort. Let's dig more into this uh, ending scene. Will Hulk and Scar and She-Hulk team up in a World War Hulk title? And uh, generally, what do we feel about this ending? Um, I, I was, I made that noise because I was coughing. I was coughing. Um, I laugh at the worst times and I cough at the worst times. I found that out yesterday. So I want, the thing is, I, I think I already made my argument where I was like, I want it as a post credit scene only because like, it's such a big thing. And all we can make of what's going to happen in the future with Scar is what we saw in that scene, which is him standing behind his dad looking upset with an okay haircut. So trying, it's it's interesting. 
It's I say okay because it's not bad. We've all been teens and I cut mean, our hair in a weird it's way. It's not the best, Jess. I don't know, but okay. hey, it's fine. <laughs> it's okay. Not to roast a, a small green boy, but my goodness, that did not roast look great. A small green boy. I'm not too worried. Uh, I mean, the haircut's ridiculous, but I just I want more answers on what exactly happened yeah. on Sakar. What was going on there? Was Scar causing trouble? Uh, what is he like a fugitive from Sakar? Is was he a champion in the fighting arena? Like, what were the reasons why he left? I just give this kid at least one line to give us a sense. Is he like a Bart Simpson little jerk? Uh, is he like a shy mm-hmm. kid? Yes. Well, all, okay, so from that scene of him standing behind his dad, like, like this, he was like, I do think he got like in trouble. <laughs> and he mm-hmm. either I think there's there's two ways we can go about this because I don't know if we'll follow the World War Hulk storyline completely because that means we'll probably we'd have to get like a a really mean reckless hulk again. So I think it's a matter of like either the mom is like you need to come get your son. You need to take him for a weekend. You need to like do something cuz he is like 60 years old Sakar time. Like I need you to come put some work in. And so it could be that or it could <laughs> be that she passed away and I think it's the first one. I think she's like this is your son. Come here and get it. Which I at first was like, I don't think Hulk would do all that. But it's also like, maybe Hulk did do that. Maybe he just didn't remember when he turned back into Smart Hulk that he had sex with someone and had an offspring. And he just left. And there, it's probably really hard to get it in contact with him on Earth. That's why they had to send the Sakarian courier craft. So mm-hmm. it's like, and then find him once they got there. So it's like, yeah, I could see this just being like a, um, a like, um, what is it called? I had it when you're a single mom and not child support, but something along those lines, <laughs> something along those right. lines. I said I had it because I went yeah, through it. Joint custody kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, kind of like, it, I, I understand that my mom is definitely that way where she was like, okay, uh, Jessica's a handle, <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> it's your time <laughs> to take like accountability and take care of her for some time. So I, I think mm-hmm. it might be that. See, like, I'm I'm really interested to see, because, like, you know, I, I really do think that this is a, a situation where, um, you know, Hulk, the Hulk persona, not Bruce, had sex with a woman on Sakaar, mm-hmm. and Bruce had no idea. Like, Bruce had no idea that he had a son. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe Hulk had an idea, but, like, Hulk was just like, you know what, whatever, I, I, I get laid. It, it, it's what happens. Um, but, like, I mm-hmm. think that... Um, what, what's going to be really interesting moving forward is that, like, you know, we see Bruce himself introducing scar as his son but like how does hulk feel about this like does hulk get a say in like how he raises the person that you know like that his truth like that's the hulk's son that's not really bruce's son it is bruce's son biologically but like the hulk w- probably wants to be a father and so like maybe that could be does a catalyst for world war hulk i mean like probably I not i low-key think he dipped out also because of this reason not dipped out but you know like he Kinda, it was easier to sequester him because he was like, mm. I don't know, because like we, we do know from uh, Thor Ragnarok that like Hulk just you know he he does want to be accepted to some degree. Like he doesn't like that the Earth doesn't like him, and like you know he he likes being alone because like he doesn't really have someone to vibe with. And so like if he had a son that was just like him, I feel like Hulk would be sort of hyped to be like, yo, like I don't have to be alone, and like I can smash with you know like. My son, and like we can smash stuff together. Oh, um, you can smash like, with your son. I mean, like not smash yeah, with your son. What are you Let's and not your get son here. Let's not yeah. get incesty here. Hey, you keep um, your smashing like... <laughs> to yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I just think it's um, I don't know, very interesting. Yeah, I think uh, whatever this storyline will be, I suspect it'll be on Earth. 
I like the idea of like right. a World War Hulk kind of story. And I think that we're just going to explore more Hulks, I think, especially mm-hmm. if they're going to put a movie's budget behind it. Right. That would be my expectation of where it is. Uh, I'm excited. I don't need to see Scar show up. We don't need to wait for another Hulk movie, though. Like, pop that yeah. kid into whatever, well, you know, anything else. Everyone's having children and we still haven't really seen because it's like, I mean, OK, uh, arguably, I don't know if Wanda has children. <laughs> I don't know if I want to count that. But like Thor, Love and Thunder, we know that he now kind of has a daughter. And so, it, and I mean, she's really young. And if we want to count like kind of Kate Bishop as not like a daughter, but daughter figure, it's like, it's, I guess it depends on like how we want to see him. Does Scar want to like, because there's a lot of this beef about Young Avengers and all this stuff, but like, are we trying to go that route and incorporate him or are we just going to go first to the Hulk movie? I feel like it's going to be expensive, the Hulk movie. So it'll be a minute. Oh, yeah. Yeah, super pricey. You know what I hope Marvel is doing are some uh, uh, screen tests and chemistry tests uh, between these kids. Because all these kids are being cast based off of the relationship with the adult actors in the movie. I mean, they cast Chris Hemsworth's daughter as yes, well. Yes, yes, I mean, yes. like, oh, these two boys were cast for their connection with uh, Elizabeth Olsen. And yeah. by the way, they're great. I'm sure they're all great. these kids can connect with each other in different ways. I'm just saying, like... When you watch Stranger Things, how important is it that all those kids get along together? You know, like they they seem like they're actual you friends can, in real life. You can sense it on Stranger Things. I don't care what anyone says. You can feel it when it's like they oh, don't really like each it. other. They don't really like each other. Right. And like, and you feel that in Euphoria as well. Those are younger actors. Most of them are like adults technically, but like it's it, with Spider-Man uh, Homecoming. They were kids. They were all like 15, 16 when they got cast in. How important was it that they all got along? The Harry Potter films, those three kids like grew up together and you you feel that yeah. like that chemistry is so important. I Maybe the reason they're holding off on the Young Avengers is like they're still trying to figure out the exact chemistry. Yes. That is essential when you're yes. watching a coming of age youth group dynamic is they all have to like they have, they have to be fun when they interact with each other. They can't just be kids who are cast separately by different you know, cast or it'd be probably the same casting director across several different titles. But the way these kids have been introduced in these titles don't seem like they have friends. They seem like they just have some weird kind of connection with an Avenger. That's And that's my kind of fear with hiring Chris Hemsworth's daughter. Because it was like, I get it. She's really cute. And it is your biological daughter. But also, like, her uh, with Kate Bishop is going to be weird. (laughs) Because Kate Bishop is Haley Steinfeld, a great actress. I I honestly feel like in the the love situation, we're going to see, like, a huge time jump. Like, something's going to happen because we're in this, like, weird timeline kangs type of situation mm-hmm. we're probably gonna get like a like a, a super fast forward for like love for um and both of wanda's kids like we're not gonna see those actors uh, much like we saw yeah. with um with uh ant-man's daughter um like so that out was a different well they changed obviously yeah it's like they changed the actor i think that's what they're gonna do with love yeah. i think they're gonna just change the yeah actor. i think that like the, these kid actors like we're just like hey this is fun to have like chris hembler's daughter in it but like she's gonna be that character's probably going to age up, like, dramatically. Well, also, you have the whole side to her character that she's a cosmic entity that was, like, uh, the character of Eternity transmuted mm-hmm. itself into love. So, and in the reflection of the water, she was, like, an outline of, like, cosmic innards. So, like, yes, there are. there's a way that you could just, like, have her, like, which of Ash's Pokemon just started to go crazy one time? He's like, I don't know what's wrong with it. Was it Metapod? Oh. It's like, why is it Metapod talking to me? Like, I think it's going to be, what? like... That we're like, my daughter is going through some weird puberty stage. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> and then she just starts floating in the sky and glowing like Naruto or something. And they're like, ah, what is happening to her? 
and then you can cast anyone to play the part. Because go. she's a cosmic entity. Anything crazy could happen with her. She doesn't have to stay a little girl. Basically, like, I, I don't think that um, Chris Hemsworth's daughter is going to be playing the role for forever. I mean, she did a great job for what she did, but, like, I don't think that that's the plan. Yeah, she's fun. She was fun. Uh, look, Jessica, MT, there's so much we want to talk about coming out of this series. The episode has gone on too long. So I think what I, would, what I really want to do is... Uh, obviously answer more questions coming out of She-Hulk. And this is like the last Disney Plus title of Phase 4. So I want to do a full like Phase 4 analysis. I want to hear like how does She-Hulk rank up with these other titles? Like I, I think I need like a few days to really gestate on that. So why don't we save that conversation for next week uh, and do a whole episode just kind of looking at Phase 4, these Disney Plus titles from a, from a macro uh, bird's eye perspective. I think right now we're still kind of uh, uh, digesting what we just saw in this finale of She-Hulk. I think it would we'd benefit from some days to um, to think about it. now. So uh, in the meantime, I think this is a fun place to to end this finale of She-Hulk and to end uh, Phase Four. The, the revealing that this crazy robot is making all these creative decisions is is such a, an insane big swing, and I, I'm feeling good about the MCU right now. And part of the reason I feel so good about it is I get to talk about it every week with uh, you, Jessica, and you, MT. It's been such a delight. Uh, and Jess, uh, everything you have done with the breakdowns uh, so from episode one to now, your work has been so, so good. And I know you had a very, very difficult job taking on this. I mean, to to come in and be the person who breaks down a Marvel Disney Plus show on New Rockstars, like, yeah, there's, there's, it's hasn't been easy. I can't imagine it's been easy for you, but you have knocked it out of the park. Thank you, you like your, your analysis has been so on point. You have found stuff that I never would have seen in a million years. So thank you so much for doing it. It's so great. I can't wait to see what you do more for us. Thank you. Great job, um, including letting you get to work on it now. This episode's run so yeah, long. I'm I was, so sorry. No, I was like, I'm going to Rogue Theory in ten minutes, and then after Rogue Theory, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. <gasps> oh my goodness. Okay, well, let's get out of here. Um, that's it for this episode of Inside Marvel. Um, thank you so much for watching. Be sure to subscribe to New Rockstars. Uh, follow MT at Mastertainment. Uh, follow Jessica at Lulu underscore Clements. Follow me at EA Voss. Subscribe to Inside Marvel wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to watch Jess's Easter egg breakdown. It's coming to the channel. To Tomorrow. Thank you all so much for watching, and we'll see you next week. Kevin! Bye. Kevin! <laughs> Kevin! Oh, she doesn't. She no, doesn't do this. Does Why do I think Catherine? He doesn't. She doesn't <laughs> do this. <laughs>